It's Monday, January 13th, 2020, 111 days the House began its impeachment inquiry. And this is Impeachment Today. Good morning. I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. And we finally, finally got a better sense of when the Senate trial of President Donald Trump will begin. I am excited and pre-distraught over how little sleep I am going to be getting during this period. Okay, today we're talking to BuzzFeed News congressional correspondent Paul McLeod about all 47 of these fucking guys, the Democrats of the U.S. Senate, and what their strategy will be during the trial. But before we get to all that, let's catch up on what happened over the weekend. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi on Friday told her fellow Democrats to gird their loins. She's going to be sending the articles of impeachment over to the Senate sometime next week, which is to say this week. Pelosi said in her letter that she has instructed House Judiciary Chair Jerry Nadler to prepare a resolution that will do two things. First, it would name House managers, the members of Congress who will serve as the prosecution during the trial. We'll go more in depth into just what that entails later this week. By then, we'll have more information about just who will be serving in those roles. Second, the resolution would approve the transfer of the articles over to the Senate. Since the two articles of impeachment against President Trump passed last month, Pelosi has insisted that she needs to know the rules of the trial before she names her managers, or, as she put it several times, to see the arena they'd be participating in. And she took a dig at the president on Sunday, reminding everyone this president is impeached for life, and there's nothing the Senate can do to change that. Now, Pelosi's delay did not lead to a guarantee of witnesses in the Senate trial like she had hoped. But Senator Susan Collins of Maine told the local banger Daily News that she was trying to make that ish happen anyway. Collins said on Friday that she's working with a, quote, fairly small group, end quote, of her fellow Republican senators to make sure witnesses can get called during the trial. That would include people like Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, who the White House blocked from testifying during the House impeachment inquiry. It's not clear how many senators are on Team Collins, but three more of them besides her would be able to form the majority needed with Democrats to set the rules. And it also isn't clear how she and her fellow rebels plan to force the issue of witnesses. But she said she's, quote, hopeful that we can reach an agreement on how to proceed with the trial that will allow the opportunity for both the House and the president's counsel if they choose to do so. So we'll see on that one. In any case, Pelosi's ship means that the trial is now predicted to kick off in the next few days. Wild. Okay, that was the news. This was the noise. The president had a totally normal one on Twitter on Sunday, tweeting many, many times about the impeachment. A sampling. Many believe that by the Senate giving credence to a trial based on the no evidence, no crime, read the transcripts, no pressure impeachment hoax, rather than an outright dismissal, it gives the partisan Democrat witch hunt credibility that it otherwise does not have. I agree! Exclamation point. An immediate dismissal is not a thing that's going to actually happen. Republicans simply don't have the votes. But it's a change of pace for Trump, who previously has said he welcomed a likely exoneration in the trial. Trump also quoted an attack on the intelligence community inspector general that he himself appointed and sent out this pity party of one in response to Pelosi's jab. Why should I have the stigma of impeachment attached to my name when I did nothing, all caps, wrong? Read the transcripts. A totally partisan hoax never happened before. House Republicans voted 195 to nothing with three Dems voting with the Republicans. Very unfair to tens of millions of voters, exclamation point. Totally normal. 
And now, to kick off this week of ah, we have today's reading from our nixometer. Well, I'm not a crook. On our scale, a zero is a normal day in a normal White House, and ten is President Richard Nixon resigning and flying away in Marine One. This morning, we're at a 7.8. Things are kicking into gear this week, and by Friday, we'll have a clear sense of at least the first part of Donald Trump's impeachment trial. An acquittal is still the most likely outcome, but at the very least, there's a chance the process to get us there is going to be a surprising one. After the break, we talk to Paul about the Senate Democrats. Stick around. Chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking It, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're uncovering why society makes it so hard for women to treat their time with the value it deserves. So take this time out with us. Listen to Time Out, a fair play podcast on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is time for this fucking guy. Though, in this case, it's guys. A lot of them. About 47 of them, to be exact. Today, we're looking at the Senate Democrats and how they're making it work as they prepare to put the president on trial. Joining me from D.C. to talk about this is BuzzFeed News congressional correspondent Paul McLeod. Hello, Paul. Hello. So, on Friday morning, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi finally said that she's going to be sending over the articles of impeachment sometime this week. That has to be a big relief for Senate Democrats, yeah? Yeah, our uh, long national nightmare is over. Uh, (laughs) Speaker Pelosi has finally sent over the articles of impeachment. You know, the funny thing is, for all of the hubbub about this, it ended up not really delaying things by that much. We expected the Senate to begin a trial and 
early January, and we're going to get a trial to start in early, mid-January. So we're basically back on track. Huh, that's a really good point, actually. I feel like a lot of us have been so, like, wrapped up in the, we don't know what's happening, that it's kind of been hard to have that perspective. Yeah, because she was holding it over the Christmas break, but we were never going to have a trial over the Christmas break anyways. Huh, it did feel longer than it actually was. Was there any chance, though, that Senate Democrats completely rebelled against Pelosi's strategy, considering I know some of them were getting a bit antsy? No, I don't think so. I mean, certainly there had been about a half dozen or so Democrats in the Senate who had said, look, come on, it's time. Let's get this started. Clearly, they were a little anxious. I don't think a lot of people at a certain point saw the strategy, the utility in continuing to hold back the articles of impeachment. And we had some people start to verge on getting a bit critical, like Dan Feinstein had some comments about like, come on, let's get this going already. And then walked them back saying, absolutely, we support Speaker Pelosi's approach and she's fighting the good fight here. Chuck Schumer, you know, direction was clearly coming from him and party leadership. We are 100% behind the speaker. So, you know, the murmurings were starting to grow, but I don't think it ever would have gone into a full-on revolt. But certainly for some people, including, you know, key sort of swing state Democrats like Doug Jones in Alabama and Joe Manchin in West Virginia, they were among the people who wanted to get the show on the road already. So speaking of Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, how has he been using this time that Pelosi bought him by holding off on sending these articles? Well, in theory, Chuck Schumer would have been using this time to negotiate with Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, and try to hash out some sort of set of rules that would be agreeable to both parties. But that just didn't happen at all. They essentially had maybe one or two meetings. And then McConnell went off and worked on whipping his own caucus and getting 51 votes, all Republicans, to support his approach of how the Senate trial is going to look. And him and Schumer haven't really been discussing anything at all. So Schumer has just been, you know... Going to reporter microphones and blasting McConnell and blasting the process because they're not getting any closer to getting anything actually changed. Is there any indication that the moderate Republicans that Democrats have been courting will actually vote with them on things like witnesses? Well, it's hard to say right now because what we have is a situation where, you know, people like Susan Collins, who we talk about as the moderate Republicans, they've signed on to Mitch McConnell's plan which is just we're going to start with hearing the cases of the House impeachment managers and Donald Trump's defense team. Then there's going to be written questions. And then we'll have a vote on whether we want to have witnesses come in, whether we need more information. So in theory... Yeah, maybe some people like Lisa Murkowski will say, no, I need more information, you know, Mitt Romney. They, of course, would need four... Republicans to side with Democrats to get to a 51 majority and vote to call in witnesses. But on the other hand, it also looks pretty likely that after maybe two or three weeks of hearing uh, both sides, they'll say, look, we've got enough to make a decision and we don't need to hear any witnesses. I can guarantee you that's what Mitch McConnell's plan is. And that's certainly what he's paving the road towards. And it certainly seems like the most likely outcome. But You know, when we actually ask them, when we ask Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, they're going to say, look, I haven't made up my mind on that yet. That's not the time. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking more about the Republican side of this in tomorrow's episode. But now that the trial is set to spin up, can you remind people what the senators will actually be doing during this impeachment trial? Yeah, I mean, they they literally have to go in there and sit there and shut up and listen. They don't really (laughs) get to do anything. They are the jury and they have to listen attentively while both sides make their case. So one of the things I'm most curious about is how senators will be using their time to submit written questions to the prosecution and defense, since that's one of the few things that they are allowed to do. Do we have any sense of a strategy there for the Democrats, or is it all just TBD, like so much of this process has been? 
Yeah, I mean, it's their one chance, other than, you know, going on MSNBC for the evening shows, their one chance to sort of be involved in the trial and try to make their mark. So you can just see all of the Democratic staffers sort of workshopping what are going to be the best, most devastating questions, the lines that are going to be remembered or going to be repeated, or we can get a a lot of retweets on Twitter. So I think it's going to be a real creativity contest, certainly among most Democrats who I suspect will have made up their minds at that point that they are in favor of impeaching the president. And it's going to be, you know, just trying to make the biggest splash. So there's still somehow five senators running for the Democratic presidential nomination at this point. How is the trial going to affect them? It's just a, a huge obstacle for them. There's there's really no way around it. Now, there, there certainly are some benefits. You know, if you're someone like Cory Booker, you can you can waltz out of the Senate trial and you're going to have a million microphones in your face and you are going to be able to talk about the biggest story of the day in a way that Joe Biden just can't because he's not there. That said, I mean, we are getting down into the final rounds here. You've got to be on the ground in places like Iowa and New Hampshire. Everyone stresses the importance of being there, holding these events. And Look, you get up, you got to be back in the Senate every day, all afternoon, five days a week, maybe six days a week, depending on what they set up as the rules. And that, at a certain point, just gets really expensive. So it's one thing if you're Bernie Sanders and you have you know more money than God at this point. You can <laughs> have that private jet. And you can fly back and forth and be in Iowa by seven thirty, and you're you're off and doing events. But for you know someone like I don't know, what does Michael Bennett do? What does Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar? They they don't have as much money, and it just becomes a huge drain on resources if you want to get that FaceTime with the key primary voters. Right. And they don't have those like surrogates that even Sanders and Warren have right now to go out there and campaign on their behalf. That's a great point. They don't have the equivalent of an AOC like Bernie does. I think this is going to be a type of situation where metaphorically the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Mm. Whereas if you're not in the top tier, it's going to be really hard to compete. So it's basically been accepted as a given that all 45 of the Democrats and the two independents who caucus with them will vote for removal of the president. Is that 100 percent locked in, though? No, I don't think so at all. I, I would say that, you know, as we saw on the House side, it's possible that there will be a few defections. I don't expect many, but it's really going to depend how the next few weeks go. If the Democratic House impeachment managers make a strong case and it's looking very good for them, then yeah, I think you could see uh, consensus Democrats and independents voting to impeach. No, if things don't go that well, looking the other way, I, I would look to people like... Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Doug Jones in Alabama is trying to hold on to an extremely difficult seat for Democrats in a deeply mm-hmm. red state. Maybe even someone like John Tester in Montana, though he just got reelected, so he's got less to worry about. I certainly think it's in play that somewhere between one to three Democrats could end up voting against convicting the president. So last question, when the dust has settled and the president is either removed or acquitted— What will the Senate be up to next? Do they really just go back to business as usual, like they didn't just have this whole trial thing in their immediate rearview mirror? Look, Mitch McConnell's got a long list of judges to Uh, uh, appoint here. I mean, we got to get back to filling those vacancies on the bench, baby. uh, Uh, And also, there there is the the USMCA. Everyone forgets this huge trade deal with Mexico and Canada that's got to get ratified by the Senate, and that'll be the next order of business. But yeah, I mean, if, if I'm Mitch McConnell... I'm aiming to get this over with in a neat and tidy way as quickly as possible and just get back to doing 
what the Senate does best, which is not much, just appointing people Mitch McConnell once appointed. Uh, love to hear it, except hate to hear it. But Paul, love to speak to you. Thank you so much for joining us again today. All right. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Okay, it's time for the latest edition of our newest segment, Trial Watch 2020. It's where we run down what's happening next in the Senate impeachment trial. Red alert! Now that Pelosi has said she's going to send over the articles of impeachment, we wanted to go through just what happens next. And I gotta say, it is a very, very fussy and particular process. The first three of the Senate's impeachment rules deal with how things kick off. Rule 1 says that when the Senate learns that the House has named managers to act as prosecution, the Secretary of the Senate tells the House managers, come on down. Rule 2, the managers show up at the Senate, say, okay, we're here, and the sergeant at arms makes this declaration. All persons are commanded to keep silence on pain of imprisonment while the House of Representatives is exhibiting to the Senate of the United States articles of impeachment against, in this case, Donald J. Trump. Intense, right? So then the managers read off, in this case, the two articles of impeachment against President Trump. The presiding officer of the Senate then tells the managers that the Senate is ready to get the show on the road. Rule three, the next day at 1 p.m., unless the next day is a Sunday, in which case Monday, or sooner if the Senate wants, the trial begins. And it will continue every day except Sunday until the trial is over. Before that happens, the senators have to swear a special oath, which we'll talk more about later. The drama of it all! I'm sure that we'll have a lot more for you as this all kicks off, but for now, this has been Trial Watch 2020. Okay, that's it for today. Come back tomorrow and we'll take a deep dive into the GOP side of the Senate jury pool, especially one Mitt Romney, as we continue to find a fucking Lee move toward the start of this impeachment trial. Before we get there, though, we want to make sure you are prepared. So send us any questions you have about this Senate trial, and we will make sure to answer them on a future episode. Just open the Voice Memo app on your phone, record your message, and email it to impeachment at buzzfeed.com. Or just send me a direct message on Twitter. I'm at Hayes Brown, and my DMs are always open. Slide on in, and let's talk legislative trials. Lastly, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Impeachment Today on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go to hear my disembodied voice. And uh, maybe leave us a rating and a review. Also, tell your friends about the show and our extensive back catalog of things to know about impeachment at this point as we all figure this out together. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking It, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? 
But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something else that you want to do. No, Nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. When's the last time you took a time out? I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a fair play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 